What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drunk Turkey Show. Big Blue is going to start rapping for this special yeah. occasion. <laughs> start all eyes on me. <laughs> uh, all eyes are definitely on you. Every time we come on the show, Big Blue, you are the man, the myth, the legend. That is for sure. So uh, how you doing, man? How's your week going? Did you work last yeah, night? I did work last night, but I am finally off today, so I get to relax. Nice, man. That's good, man. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Anything crazy happened last night? Nothing too crazy, man. Yesterday was just a nice, peaceful day. You know, it was it was good. I mean, it was. I mean, it, there's always a few things like you know. We always sometimes get uh, patients that have ear infections, like especially children. And man, you feel bad for them because they had to wait a few minutes for the parents to fill out the paperwork and. They're just screaming and kicking, you know, and until we finally get them in. But, you know, other than that, it wasn't too peaceful. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> wasn't it was too peaceful. peaceful. Well, that's good, man. It's good to hear that it wasn't too crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, dude, some crazy news came up in the last couple of days. Apparently, there's been a, uh, a break in the case in the Tupac Shakur uh, murder back from 1996. Cold case. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of rumors, a lot of conspiracies. If you think there's some conspiracies in Idaho, there's some conspiracies when it comes to Tupac. In fact, there's a lot of people to this day who still think he's alive. Uh, Big Blue, were you, did you ever follow that, that theory that Tupac survived? He faked his thing or was, I mean, I, I've seen some, some, some pictures every once in a while surface and they kind of look like him. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure the M.E. Did, it, did, it, did his job, so I'm pretty sure it's him that six feet under. Well, according to Sug Knight, Sug Knight, or how you pronounce his name, I apologize, <laughs> Marion, according to Marion Knight, um, the M.E. hasn't been hasn't been seen since the autopsy and and the uh, um the burning of, of Tupac's body. I can't think of the name of it for the life of me off the top the of my cremation. head. The cremation. There you go. The cremation of his body. So, you know, he says that he's made a lot of money and disappeared. You know, Sue Knight is one of those guys that put out that theory. Uh, he's not been shy to say that Tupac's in Cuba or, or any of those things to try to elevate what was left of death row while he was a free man. Currently, oh, yeah. he's uh, incarcerated for taking somebody's I was, life. I was gonna say, I wouldn't talk too much about Suge Knight. He might try to run you over in his car like he did that. Like, <laughs> oh, he ain't getting out of jail anytime soon, my man. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That's for yeah. Sure. Uh, and so, <clears throat> but let's look into this breaking news that we had that came up. So, the uh, Tupac murder investigation, KPD reportedly at the center. Of police search warrant now. For those that don't know who KPD is, he's this young, or he's not young. This is the older, older man here, to the right of, um, I believe that's a wax model of Tupac. That's not even the. You, you would think they would have gotten a real picture of Tupac, and not yeah. a picture of the of the wax Tupac in Vegas. <laughs> well, Maybe well, that's KPD. Right. Who, owns, who owns the rights? All right, that's true. Who owns the rights? Who owns the rights? So KPD is the uncle of the uh, suspected, long-time suspected, alleged person to have committed this crime, uh, Orlando Anderson. Uh, and KVD came out with a um, 
a basically a uh, confess, so to speak. And we're going to get into his confession and all that a little bit later. But he confessed not too long ago under some sort of deal that wouldn't, um, I guess, use his words against him. It's called the Proffer deal. And in in return, he got off of uh, some pretty serious drug uh, offenses. And so, you know, a lot of people have been speculating, is it real? Is it not real? There's a lot of stuff that's come out of that confession. But apparently, and this was a couple of years ago when he when this confession had occurred. Now there was a raid and this is coming from hip hop says here, uh, Tupac's murder investigation kicked back into life this week as Las Vegas police executed a search warrant on a home in connection with the rapper's death. And now it's been revealed that Dwayne Keefe D. Davis is the uh, is who the cops are looking into. According to 8 News Now, the search warrant executed on, on the property in Henderson, Nevada on Monday involved Keefe D., the former gang member of Uncle Pac's alleged killer, Orlando Anderson. Police reported searched the home for personal notes, photos, and other documents related to the rapper's passing. Although it is unclear if they retrieved any of the items of interest, residents at uh, residents at the address declined to comment. But one person reportedly threatened a reporter and a photographer that things would escalate if they did not leave. So it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Um, in fact, your your mic muffled a little bit. <clears throat> is it back yet? I, I got to get my mic, man. This thing's kind of upsetting. Is it still muffled? A little bit. It's starting to get a little bit more better. Uh, somebody did ask if I am a RN. Uh, I'm a, actually a medical assistant, but I'm also an x-ray tech, uh, limited license x-ray tech. So I'm not an RN. I uh, didn't want to go back to school for that. Can you, um, can you hear me? Uh, it sounds still a little muffled, but you can still hear you. I see if you talk a little bit, it might, uh, might fix itself. Can I check one? That's a little bit better. All right. <clears throat> well, I apologize. I'm not sure what's been going on with StreamYard lately. Yeah. It sounds good, good on mine. Yeah, right, it's so, good now. So here is a video of um, the SWAT team pulling into the area. In other clips, you, you can actually hear people yelling uh, or you can hear the police department yelling, you know, come out with your hands up, things of that nature in, in some of these clips. So yeah. it's uh, it's pretty crazy, man. That they're looking into this. Um, let's see. This is from the Delta Plex. Well, let's see. So Las Vegas homicide detectives and prosecutors determined they had enough information to proceed with a court authorized search. An official brief on the investigation told ABC News the search was conducted about 10 p.m. local time with Las Vegas Metro PD SWAT on hand. The scene was described as loud, the police using bullhorns and lights. Though no charges have been filed, investigators have long believed the gunman is likely passed the victim of a uh, separate shooting two years after the uh, Vegas drive by. Uh, the current investigation could lead to the determination 
of who was in the car with the gunman when the rounds were fired that killed Tupac. Uh, that could lead to someone being charged as an accomplice. Uh, officials caution and charges decisions have been made yet. So uh, this is a probe into the death gained new momentum after the Netflix aired Unsolved, the Tupac and Biggie murders in 2018. And the book Compton Street Legend by Dwayne Keith Davis, a.k.a. Keithy D. Came out in 2019. Keithy D has said he is one of two living eyewitnesses of the shooting. So are you familiar, Big Blue, with everything that kind of went down? I mean, it's been a while since I've reviewed the case, but I always remember them talking about how it was a drive-by shooting and then something about, you know, they were always talking about the bullet, that it was a magic bullet or something. Like, I guess they couldn't find it or something. But I'm pretty sure it was, they did find it. There was a bunch of bullets. Well... With with with, with Pac, they they found a bunch of bullets. They, he he got riddled, but yeah. you know, in order to understand, I guess what happened, um, we probably should talk about everything, the entire situation with Tupac, right? So, a lot of people look at what happened with Tupac, and they kind of um, mix it up with what happened with Biggie Smalls, who passed away a few months later as well. There was a East Coast, West Coast rap battle that was going on at the time. And, you know, Biggie and Tupac were basically at the head of that battle. And so, uh, but this, because <laughs> there's even rumors that, for instance, the head of Biggie's um, record label, which was Bad Boys Records, uh, Sean Combs, who went by Puff Daddy at the time. Pete Diddy. Uh, yeah, P. Diddy, uh, that he allegedly had some sort of uh, hiring component to this situation. But uh, let's start off at the beginning. So way back, way back, like back in 1992, 93, uh, Tupac and Biggie were actually like pretty good friends. Um, Tupac started to blow up. He began hanging out with the wrong type of, gr wrong type of group. Uh, one of the persons that he was hanging out with was a guy named James Rosemond. Uh, AKA Jimmy Henchman. He's a convicted drug trafficker and turned entertainment record record executive. Uh, this is a picture of Jimmy here. And so um, basically this guy and according to, you know, reports, movies, documentaries, you know, Biggie had kind of warned Tupac about hanging around with Jimmy because of his um, affiliation with, um, you know, some of the affiliations you would, you know, with some of the people you would be affiliated with when you're a drug trafficker, allegedly. Yeah. Right. Happy, happy birthday, Pumpkin Don. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And we're almost to 39.4. We think we only needed like one more subscriber to hit 39,400 subs. So let's get that subs. Let's get those likes up. We got 205 people in here. Let's get it going. Like, one thing that I do say, man, like, being in, uh, Last year when we were interviewed a couple of rappers and stuff like that, I got to go to a few shows, right? Yeah. And I got to go backstage, you know, for with with the rapper that that, that we know is a high school friend of ours. Right. And by the way, if y'all don't know who he is. And uh it was cool shows, but yeah, man, some of the people that show up are pretty shady, you're like, man. You know, like what? um you know 
cool scene and everything, but I, I, you always, I always make sure, like, make sure I don't bump into anybody. Uh, I've been to a couple <laughs> concerts like that. I bump into the wrong person. They want to fight me for no reason. All right. We probably shouldn't show up wearing these colors, Big Blue. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in 93, right? November of 93, Tupac and members of his entourage were charged with an SA of a female named who would be later identified as Anya Jackson. Now, this female was introduced to Tupac by... Uh, James Roseman, a.k.a. Jimmy Henchman, right? In fact, apparently, um, I think the entourage that Tupac was associated with were also members of Jimmy Hen uh, Henchman's entourage. They were all part of his group, right? Apparently, what had occurred in that situation was that Anya Jackson had phoned Tupac. Uh, and they made arrangements for her to go to his hotel room and, and to give him a massage or something of that nature. And... Um, what ended up happening is she goes, she hangs out with him, she leaves, and then the entourage then uh, assaults her, right? And so she ends up charging, you know, filing a report. The entourage and Tupac end up getting charged um, with assaulting sexually. And so <clears throat> she had admitted during trial that she had had sexual relations um, with Tupac prior and, um, you know, Tupac claimed he was innocent. And so this all occurred back in 1993. Tupac would go about and, and uh, basically talk about the incident, though. And in one situation, I got to see if I can find it real quick. He actually had... Um, an interview where he was talking about why he is the one that is out in front of everybody when, you know, the allegations against him, uh, you know, they weren't towards him. It was towards the honorage. They were the ones that actually committed, you know, the, the crime, so to speak. And yeah. Tupac was very vocal about this. And so what ended up happening was, and it's all alleged, but that Jimmy Henchman had orchestrated, a robbery. Uh, this happened on November 30th, 1994. Uh, it was supposed to apparently been just like a scare thing, but it turned into Tupac getting shot five times. So it was November 30th, 1994. Tupac was scheduled to record a verse with a rapper named Little Sean at Quad Studios in Manhattan. Um, as he arrived, members of the Junior Mafia, which was Biggie and um, Puff Daddy's you know, group, uh, they're all affiliated with Bad Boy. We're shouting from the um, upper floor to greet Tupac at the street below. Uh, once Tupac entered into the building, two gunmen ordered everybody in the lobby to the floor. When Tupac hesitated, he was shot five times and robbed. Tupac was taken out by a stretcher. He gave the middle finger to Biggie and other Bad Boy affiliates who were present. Apparently, he felt that um, either Biggie and Pac set him up, had something to do with it, or knew about it and felt that that you know, when the junior mafia was yelling from the second floor, that was some sort of like alert. Hey, Pac is coming. All right. Now, Tupac ends up taking himself out of um, the hospital, ends up going to court where he was convicted the next day. And he showed up in a wheelchair, head wrapped around oh, nine yards. Um, but he was convicted the next day before um, I think it was uh, what was it? Sexual abuse. So a lot of the, the sexual allegation charges of like sodomy and things of that nature were dropped. 
but he he was um, still uh, convicted of the sexual abuse. Uh, afterwards, Tupac implied, like in an interview with Vibe, that Biggie, Puffy, and Uptown Records and uh, Andre Hall were all involved and responsible for the attack at Quad Studios. And so he was still going at it, even though he was convicted and then ended up being um, convicted of the sexual assault. While he was in jail, um, an, a song gets dropped called Who Shot You? And um, um, Tupac takes that as like a, I guess a dig, even though the song was supposedly written prior to, um, prior to Tupac going to prison, he still takes it as a dig as, at him and it starts a whole feud. You know, he, he now for sure thinks that these guys had something to do with it and were bragging about it. Uh, let's see this. So this is Shaz Band, Banda, $5 Super Chat. Good evening, Daniel Blue. Mods in chat. How y'all doing? God bless from everyone in UK. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and your and your super chat. Thank you. Yeah, I think you met Bunny at Mandy Joe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And let's bring this down. So well, Tupac's in jail, right? He ends up um appealing his conviction right so he gets granted like uh, a bail but this bail's like over a million dollars or something like that so he can't afford it so he's there for a few months um and during that time while while tupac is in jail this is september of 95 uh jermaine dupree is having his birthday party and at this birthday party p diddy is there and his his honorage or his bodyguards, Suge Knight show up with his bodyguards, and Suge Knight, Suge Knight, Suge Knight's best friend, uh, Big Jake, is what he's called. He ends up getting uh, losing his life. Uh, now, there's been a lot of speculation as to how he lost his life, according to Suge Knight and uh, even Jermaine Dupree. It was one of uh, P. Diddy's honorage or one of his security guards that shot him, according to. Um, Gene Deal, who was uh, Puff Daddy's um, bodyguard, he states that Suge Knight actually slapped Jermaine Dupree and some other guy, and they didn't see anything, and that the guy that ended up getting shot was shot because he was hitting on some other dude's girlfriend and had nothing to do with P. Diddy. But there's been a lot of theories out there that, or a lot of speculation, I'm sorry, that, that Suge Knight blamed um, basically Puff Daddy for that incident. Everything makes sense so far, what I'm saying, Big Blue? Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank, thank you, Mike. Mike. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Blue. I'm sorry. And then thank you, Tuesday. Uh, we love Tupac. Tupac has had some of the best music, and he's a good, was one of the best lyrics out there. Dude, for yeah, sure, man. Like, <clears throat> I, I used to listen to all his music. I, I was. There was one thing that used to make me think that maybe perhaps he was alive. And there was a song called God Bless the Dead, which which came out after his passing. And in the intro, and it also came, I think it came out on the greatest hits, which was in 1998. And in that album, there's a song called uh, God Bless the Dead. And in the intro, of it, it says, rest in peace to Biggie Smalls. Now, Biggie Smalls died in 97. Tupac died in 96. So I was like, there it is. 
there it is. But I also was a teenager, a young teenager uh, around that time and very naive and gullible. I didn't realize that uh, <laughs> it was probably inserted there from a couple of different things that Pox had said uh, as respect to Biggie because he passed. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, what's up, True Crime Cafe? Thank you for uh, yeah. your super chat. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Doggo. Yeah, man, I used to love both of them. They were both good good rappers. So. I think Tupac had a lot more music out than Biggie. Well, he had to, man. He So we'll get into that. We'll get into why he had to after we get caught up so so was this uh, those accusations there did that happen before he he dated will smith's jada pinkins no so jada pinkett came um supposedly tupac never dated jada they so pac was actually from the baltimore area maryland area and he went to a school in the bronx new york area where it had to deal with like acting and drama and, and artistic stuff, right? And yeah. that's where he met Jada Pinkett Smith, and um, they became friends, only okay. friends supposedly. But you know, if that lady's you know having what was the word that she used entanglements with her son's <laughs> friends, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure she entangled with Pops. Well, she said that the, the, she admitted the, the the greatest love of her life was Tupac. Yeah, she, yeah. She admitted on her own podcast or the round table, whatever they call it. So. True story. True story. So all that goes down, right? And supposedly this is what fuels Suge Knight's, I guess, hatred towards Bad Boy was the loss of his buddy, Jake. And so that happened before any of those things. So he knows, Sig Knight knows that that Notorious B.I.G. And, and, and Pac aren't friends at this point because of the shooting at Quad Studios. And what ends up happening is, and well, Suge Knight is not, you know, in the best with, with Bad Boy Records. So he uses that towards his advantage. He goes and he presents uh, Tupac a deal stating that he will uh, pay his bail for $1.4 million in exchange for Shakur to release three albums under death row. And so after only serving nine months of his sentence, he, um, he ends up being released on bail. Now, the re reason he was released on bail on a conviction was because it was through an appeal. Like, apparently, like all the, like the serious crimes were dismissed. And what he ended up, uh, which was still wrong, but what he ended up getting, I think, um, like charged with would have been equivalent to like a guy pinching a, a girl's rear end as she walks by, you know, still sexual assault and abuse or whatnot, but it's not, it's not a, a SA, you know what I'm saying? And so um, the degree of the crime really didn't fit, you know, the prison term that he got. And yeah. a lot of folks at that time were feeling that the judge overstepped his boundaries there because of the fact that he was trying to make or set an example with Tupac because he was a uh, famous musician. Does that make sense, Blue? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was a musician and actor, man. He was good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, some people wanted to make a, uh, an arrangement. Uh, I mean, not an arrangement, a, um, an example. Example. Yeah. So... Dude, so he gets released October 12th. Before the end of the month, in October of 1995, Tupac met with Biggie's estranged wife at the time. Uh, or I think, that, no, it was actually his wife at the time. Bad Boy singer, wife Evans. 
uh, at a party and agreed to pay her $250,000 to sing on one of his tracks. Uh, I think it was, don't you know why they call you? Um, it rhymes with itch. I don't want to mm-hmm. say the rest of it. So it also rhymes with snitch. There it is, that true story. According to, to Evans, after she recorded her, her part, Pac refused to pay her unless there was uh, sexual favors, uh, which she claims she declined. And so while Evans continued to deny these rumors, she was involved romantically or sexually with Pac. Suge Knight and Tupac were doing the opposite. In 1996, January, uh, they came out on uh, the New York Times uh, where they spoke with reporter Lynn Hirschberg, and uh, he stated that he was somewhat in a relationship with Evans and that she had given him gifts and he had repaid her um, on those gifts and implied that there were sexual favors done for those gifts. Um, Supposedly, Biggie flew into a rage after hearing about the Times article, aggressively confronted Evans, um, however, publicly brushed it off as a joke. Until Tupac then comes out with a song called Hit Him Up, where he uh, insults very explicitly um, Notorious B.I.G. and goes as far as to claim that um, uses the, you know, one of the lyrics is towards B.I.G. is you claim to be a player, but I effed your wife. And so that was considered one of the um, biggest diss tracks or you know, probably because it's one of the first ever diss tracks that was ever released. Um, but it was uh, definitely the biggest diss track at the time. Uh, and a good song. I, I enjoy it, <laughs> despite, <laughs> despite the, uh, you know, my adolescent age and probably shouldn't have been listening to it. Uh, what, what about you, uh, Big Blue? Were you a fan of the, uh, the beef that had occurred between Pac and Biggie? Did you like the music? Yeah, man. Actually, the music was was dope. Like I liked a lot of the back and forth, and until it got violent, it was pretty cool, man. They, I don't think they had to lose their their, their life rewards, but that's the that's the name of the streets, man. If you talk story, about man. it so bad or too much, they they're gonna get you. True story, dude. That's why. True story. That's why we don't cover cartel stories. <laughs> <laughs> It's true close story to the on that one. We'll vanish at the gas station. True story on that one. So <clears throat> during this time, some other stuff happens. Uh, apparently, they're allegedly um, Tupac and and Suge Knight end up hiring or finding uh, this relative of Puff Daddy's. Um, this relative that knew where Puff would stay when he was in Los Angeles. And they beat the living crap out of him, supposedly. So I think at this point is when allegedly Puff Daddy was getting a little bit worried. And according to Keefe D, made a statement of a possible hit. We'll get into that statement and, and everything after we once we catch up to that part. Uh, so during that time also, Puff Daddy put out a, a bounty. Um, if you notice, there's a death row medallion on on many of the rappers that were a part of uh, death row records that they wore on chains uh, on their necks. And basically Puff Daddy had put out a bounty for one of these chains in May of 1996, Orlando Anderson, which we'll hear his name again. 
He's a Southside Crip. Um, he was also high, so well, I got a little bit too far ahead of myself. After uh, Combs's uh, relative gets beat up, uh, he ends up hiring a bunch of Southside Crips to be his his like bodyguards, right? Uh, especially for when he goes into the uh, California area. Now, during this time, that's when Puff Daddy puts out that bounty for the medallions. In May of 96, Orlando Anderson, one of the Southside Cribs, uh, sees a guy named Robert Lane, um, who is part of the uh, Piru Bloods at a footlock store. Uh, I mean, not, not Rob Lane, I'm sorry. Trayvon Lane, Trey Lane, they try to rob Lane. I, I wrote it down differently. <laughs> so... Orlando Anderson robbed Trey Lane uh, in a footlock store for the medallion. Now, there's a lot of, depending on who you ask, if you ask the Southside Cribs guys, they say that they uh, they took the medallion. Yes, the, uh, the Piru guys, they say that that's not true. So who you, who, who you want to believe, right? So then... That leads us to September 7th, 1996. So uh, Tupac Shakur and uh, record label, um, Death Row record label chairman, CEO, Suge Knight, uh, attended the uh, Bruce Selden, Mike Tyson title boxing match at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. After the match, one of uh, Knight's associates, Trey Lane, we spoke about him earlier, spotted Orlando Anderson, um, at the uh, casino and then um oh blue took off all right so i'll finish this up spotted him at the lobby lane told shakur that that was the guy that basically took or attempted to take his medallion and shakur asked anderson if he was from the south side and then punched him in the face knocking him to the ground shakur and knight's entourage assisted in assaulting anderson uh, the fight was captured on mgm graham video surveillance and i had it and I post it. So what I basically do is I'll uh, I'll get clips or when I pull up videos that we watch are typically ones that I create and then I upload them to YouTube and uh, we'll watch them. They're just not listed. Similar to like, for instance, the ABC podcast that we listened to um, the day before yesterday. Uh, that was my edit that I uploaded to YouTube. Uh, that's just not listed. I did the same with the... Uh, Security surveillance, and unfortunately, it got like a community strike because you can actually see uh, the entourage kicking Orlando Anderson on the ground. And so it would not allow me to play it. It got taken down. So we won't be able to see that. But um, if you search for it, I'm sure you can find um, where you see the surveillance of uh, Tupac's entourage jumping Orlando Anderson. Have you ever seen that, um, Big Blue? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time, but I, I remember seeing it. Gotcha, gotcha. I had to go get a beast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, you know what? Real quick, I want to remind everybody, or I want to tell everyone, on, on uh, Monday, we're going to have a special guest. Uh, she's one of the newest members in our chat. I'm going to try to go up to it. Her name is Sonia D., she will be here on Monday. She is one of our uh, our special guests. Uh, you want want to hit that like and subscribe button. 
this is her. She is on TikTok, has over 80,000 followers. And just the other day, this image was on her TikTok. For those that follow the Brian Koberger case, uh, this area might look familiar. This is from surveillance camera from the 1112 King Road residence in front of the 1122 or the 1122 King Road residence where uh, the victims, Xana, um, Ethan, Maddie, and Kaylee, where their lives were taken. Uh, this is the King and Queen Road intersection where, according to the probable cause affidavit, vehicle does a turnaround, three-point turnaround. We're going to be talking about the origins of this um, screenshot of the surveillance. And where's the other surveillance? This is supposedly from the night. If this timestamp is correct, of 11-13-2022 at 01:56, this is right around the time that Kaylee and Maddie should be getting dropped off by the rideshare. Don't want to miss it. We have Sonya coming up then. Uh, make sure um, you like and subscribe. So, where were we, Big Blue? We were talking about when uh, when we jumped the uh, was it? Oh uh, yeah. So they so they jumped the guy right, and basically, long story short, uh, Tupac ends up going back to his hotel. He was staying at the Luxor. He uh, disclosed to his girlfriend, Kata Jones, his involvement in the Anderson fight and uh, basically said that it, uh, according to movies, documentaries and things of that nature, uh, advised her that it would probably be in her best interest and safer for her to stay at the hotel versus go to uh, the club, Club 662, which was owned by Suge Knight, um, where it was uh, it was scheduled that Tupac was to perform that night as a concert. So um, afterwards, Pac changes. He goes from that, I guess he was wearing like an orange button-up shirt to like a green basketball-style jersey. Uh, and Pac and Knight are in a black BMW driven by Death Row Records, Suge Knight, a convoy of about 10 cars, and headed out to the nightclub. And there is a picture. And... Everybody knows about. This is the uh, last picture, I believe, of Tupac. Now, a lot of people, and I think they're wrong, <laughs> but a lot of people say that this is fake, right? Or not so much fake, but that it was orchestrated. And they look at the key ignition and say, there's no keys in the ignition. That how's he, where's he going if the car's not on? Because the ignition is empty. I think there's a key there. That looks like a key to me. Yeah. Does that look like a key? Yeah, it looks like there's no uh like key chain, but it looks like there is something in the in the key fob or the key. Thing. Right, it does look like the, the back end of the key fob, right? Yeah. So this is the uh, last picture of Tupac alive. That's before push button starts. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> These guys head out to the nightclub, right? A white Cadillac with four men inside pull alongside the BMW while they stop at a red light at the intersection of East Flamingo Road and Cobal Lane and in front of the uh, Maximum Hotel. One person opened fire, really in the passenger side of a Knight's car with bullets hitting Shakur. He is shot four times, at least twice in the chest. He is sitting in the passenger seat. Shook Knight was grazed by either a bullet fragment or Maybe perhaps some shrapnel from the car. Uh, 
uh, to his head. Shakur would um, pass away from his injuries uh, six days later on September 13, 1996 at the University Medical Center in LA. Six months after his death, Notorious B.I.G. was his life was taken in a drive-by shooting by an unknown assailant in Los Angeles. And so a lot of people have speculated that the two of those situations uh, coexist. Yeah. All right. So we've caught up to the part where Pac has passed away. So do you think any of this could have been avoided? <laughs> or how do you think it could have been avoided? Obviously, it could have. How do you think it could have been avoided? I mean, I thought they were, if I remember right, they were having, like, trying to have peace talks and they just kept falling apart. And, um, it's hard when it's, when, when if you're affiliated with gangs, man, they're not going to let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, so because if you, if you do, you look like a punk and you can't be part of the crew. Yeah. But, you know, when you're making money and you're bringing, trying to bring your buddies up, sometimes you have to let that part of your life go. I think they couldn't, man. But like, it, it, it all depends. Like, I always like to say, you know, you um, be careful who you surround yourself with. You know what I mean? Who, you, who your friends are. Because sometimes you can bring the wrong friends around and things happen. 100%, man. I mean, if, if you go back to the very beginning, back to 1993, and Pac might hang out with Jimmy Henchman, listens, he listens to Notorious B.I.G., according to the movie, at least, and and he decides to back away from that situation, then the shooting at Quad Studios doesn't occur. The blame, the blame game that Biggie and Puffy had something to do with it doesn't occur. This East Coast, West Coast battle don't occur. You know, I think two lives are saved. I think that's where it started off with. You know what I'm saying? I think that was the the pivotal point where the domino fell and just started this chain reaction of just, you know, um, bad crap happening in, in somebody's life. You know, mm-hmm. now he had plenty of opportunities to change it. You know, he had the financial means the opportunity, things of that nature for him to change the course of where he went. His decisions um, to continue to, um, you know, push towards some sort of gangbang image is what, in my opinion, caused him to go down further down this, what inevitability, what would end up happening. Um, You know, because there's a lot of guys that have come forward saying that he went backwards. He was a guy that wasn't a gangbanger, I got affiliated with gangbangers and then ended up getting a mob pa- uh, tattoo. And then, you know, if you go listen to Live and Die in L.A., that song, there's a specific verse where he's just naming down all of the yeah. uh, Blood Pyro members that he knows. And so um, definitely, I think that probably could have changed some stuff. What do you think, Big Blue? Yeah, man. I mean, he had a good, I would say, uh, head on his shoulders from the the way he just, his mom's described, and then uh, I think he also had a good schooling. And I mean, he went to theater arts school, not just a you know a, a regular school in a bad neighborhood. So he had a good upbringing. He had a good head on his shoulders. He was a smart guy, mm-hmm. but just hanged around with the wrong people. 
it's like I always remember my, my 21st birthday, right? It was a crazy night. We went out to the bars. We went, uh, it was a hip hop bar we went to. So it was always, you know, rowdy people would always end up getting in fights and stuff. And I always remember one of the last times I hanged out with one, an old friend of mine was the next morning we were, we drank to like eight in the morning. You know what I mean, we killed like three bottles. Yeah. And we went to go get pizzas or something in the morning, like like at noon or something. We went to go get Little Caesars, and we went with an old friend of ours, and we went in his car. And some kids sat on his hood, right? And you know, like like normal people would be like, "Hey, man, you know, get off the hood." But this guy's like, without like I, I saw him reach for something, and he pulls out his Glock, and he just he just cocks it and tells the kid, "Get off my hood." I'm like, "Whoa, bro!" Like. He's like a teenager skateboarding and sat on your hood. Just you could have shoot him off instead of pulling the gun out. Now would have like, like uh, what if he had a gun? You know what I mean? I mean, the, I'm in the passenger seat just looking at a gun. Like, oh my god, this fool. <laughs> so nah. yeah, man, you gotta be careful who you hang out with. Sometimes you don't know. For sure, dude. You know, birds of a feather flock together, and guilty by association are true stain- statements, my man. Uh, Willie says, uh, have you ever looked into Big L's death by any chance? I don't think I have. I might need to. I I know the Tupac case because I am a huge fan of Tupac Shakur. That's a uh, guilty pleasure of mine. I listen to Tupac uh, when I work out, things of that nature. Um, So I have dived deep into the conspiracy. I've dived deep into the persons who were involved. I know this case probably better than I know the Coburger case. <laughs> just just throwing that out there. It's, it's been a while, so I might be a little bit rusty on the details. But so, these are all this is all speculation. So uh, this <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that would have been crazy. Imagine if um, Tupac was there. He <laughs> probably <laughs> That would have been crazy. So this guy here that's on the screen, that is Orlando Anderson. This is the guy that is suspected to have committed this crime. He passed away May 29th, 1998 at Martin Luther King Jr. Community Hospital uh, from um, gunshot wounds to his chest during a gang-related shootout in Compton. Uh, The crazy thing about it, though, is before his passing, he would testify in Suge Knight's uh, favor um, so remember that video that I spoke about where you can see Suge Knight, Tupac, and the honorage beating uh, oh boy here up? Well, yeah. at the time, uh, Suge Knight was on um, probation or parole, one of the two. And um, this incident was a violation of that. And so he ended up paying Orlando Anderson a couple of tens of thousands of dollars. I think it was like 60 or 50,000. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he paid him several tens of thousands of dollars to go and say that Suge Knight was actually trying to stop the fight, not be a contributor to it. And even though he stated that it didn't work, Suge Knight ended up still having his his parole or probation uh, taken away. What's that? Vibe? Is that your phone? You don't mind putting that on? Yeah, I thought I put it on, on silent. No, nah, it's all right, man. All right, so the so. A year after the incident occurred, it was initially investigated by Sergeant Kevin Manning, who uh, stated that basically the case may never be solved. Uh, The case was slow. He said there was few clues and witnesses were clammed up. Nobody wanted to talk, including 
Sijnide. He's supposedly seeing the people that had had um, you know committed this crime, but he was not talking. Right now, some crazy stuff ends up being found out in when was it? It was uh, 2000. Let me pull it up quick. I think it was in 1998, two years. So right after. Oh, man, my money on Pac versus that in that fight. Um, two years after the, the shooting and just after Orlando Anderson passes, a gun was found and it was turned into evidence. And it was found in the yard of one of the guys that was in Vegas with Keith E.D. and, and the four. Uh, he wasn't in the car, but he was one of the guys that sh- that went from Compton to um to uh, Vegas for the fight and they found a gun in his backyard, apparently, or the girl, no, they found the gun in the uh, backyard of his girlfriend. Apparently a dog was playing with it. Yeah. That's that's a part of the story. That's crazy. And in its mouth playing around with it. Yeah, exactly. So um, let's, let's read this. So gun found, after his death, went missing. So two decades after the rapper Shakur's death, murder still remains a mystery. Conspiracy theories have swirled for years uh, about his state of being, from being killed to remaining in hiding. Regardless, the hip-hop prodigy who died too soon has had a lasting effect on the culture. Recently, it was discovered in a document by producers from A&E's docuseries, Who Killed Tupac, that the gun used to kill Tupac was actually found in a citizen's backyard on uh, May 30th, 1998. So... May 29th. So this is literally the day after Orlando Anderson passes away that this gun is found in somebody's backyard. What are the likelihood? What's the likelihood of that? Big blue? What, I mean, we, we talk about, you know, odds here. The, the odds, it's not very favorable, right? Yeah. I mean, and if they did find it, I think nowadays they should be able to, they still have it, shoot some rounds off and do some ballistics. They did. Yeah. They did. All right. I haven't read the story, so. The detail came to light after producers found a police document looking into the case. At first, the 40 caliber Glock was reported to the Compton Police Department, but by 2000, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department took over jurisdiction and confiscated 3,800 firearms, which included that weapon. So they had it since May of 98. In 2000, they weren't even, they hadn't even checked it, right? In 2006, the officer who was working on the notorious B.I.G. murder deputy, T. Brennan, was going through records and discovered the document. He realized the address where the gun was discovered was at the home of a girlfriend of a Crip gang member who had fallen out with who had a fallen out with Tupac, according to the TV news series. It was then at that time uh, that he ordered a ballistic testing for the Glock and the results were a match for the weapon that was used to shoot Tupac. A A and E producers claim Tupac was shot in Vegas. So the logical thing to happen would have been for the gun to be returned to Las Vegas Police Department. But the weapon was never turned over to LVPD, where his murder remained unsolved. A federal prosecutor in the case recommended that the gun not be turned over in the case, as it would be a part of potential. Cons- it would alert potential conspirators. Huh? I, what? They didn't want to return. So what do they know? They think that somebody from the Vegas Police Department was involved. I mean, that's the only potential conspirator that I can think of that yeah, could somebody, have somebody like, buried it. Well, no, no. Think about it. Like, so turning it over to Las Vegas would alert potential conspirators. You don't have to make it public that you found a weapon. Like, we didn't know about Richard Allen. You know, in the Richard Allen case, we weren't aware of the bullet that that unspent round that was found between the bodies. Yeah. Right? We weren't aware of that. 
So they don't have to publicly notify everybody that, hey, we found the weapon. In fact, you know, this was in 2006 and, you know, it wasn't until 2013 when that A&E docuseries or whatever came out that um, that this was discovered. Yeah. So it's not like they told the world anyways. So who are the potential conspirators that they were afraid of? And if it's because they didn't want to turn it over to the Las Vegas Police Department, are those potential conspirators the police officers of the Las Vegas Police Department? Yeah, maybe. Like I said, um, I think there was a little bit of cover-up because all the evidence, all the people that were there, I mean, back then there wasn't so much cameras everywhere, but I'm pretty sure there was some businesses with cameras, some street lights. I mean, street cameras for the traffic to Vegas. I think now you can't be in any street corner without being on a camera anywhere. So. But back then, I don't know how it was. Well, here's the thing. it, ha- it There is a report. So this incident occurred, oh, gosh, I think it was like around 11.15 at night, right? 11.15 p.m. The crazy thing is that Tupac and Suge Knight were stopped um, at 11.10, 11.05, between 11.05 and 11.10 p.m. by... Las Vegas Police Department officers on on bicycles for not having front license plates or not having license plates on their vehicle and for having the music too loud. They ended up finding the license plates in the trunk of the vehicle. And I think they put them on. And then within that was like at 1110. Within five minutes later, he shot four times down the street and there's no cops to be found. Yeah. So and the thing is, somebody must have been following them or knowing their path and where they were going so somebody had to well they knew they knew he was going to go to club 662 in fact um according to and, and i was going to say this earlier so the part of the uh, mob Piru um gang was um so sug Knight had hired the mob Piru gang to be his security one of the members of his security was a guy named um mob mob james james mob or something like that and he stated on Vlad TV that he was the security at Club 662 and that he had seen KVD and three other guys show up at 662 in a white Cadillac and park there for about 10 minutes before they left. And in KVD's confession, he mentions that they did go to Club 662 to wait for Tupac. So those two things do jive and they were looking for him that night because well, Tupac beat the crap out of... Well, he started the fight with Orlando Anderson and the rest of the honor edge, beat the crap out of him. Yeah. So, but I, I, I find this interesting that they didn't want to turn it over because they felt that if they did, that it would alert potential conspirators. Yeah, man. And then to know that there was a white Cadillac there and the people who were involved, they probably... I mean, I would have destroyed those guns if it was one of mine so i don't know why people keep their stuff man yeah it's i don't know man well and maybe it's to relive the the incident i mean one of the things that it said when it came to the um this search warrant that they they did over here recently just the other day right it said that they were looking for um basically anything about you know the the person searching the crime looking at the crime uh, reliving the incident, so to speak, like all those things were, were documented in there. Um, reliving something like this is something that can be common, I guess. 
and when it comes to people who commit these type of crimes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we see it in like serial killers and things of that nature. I'm not sure how it would work in like a gangbanger situation if they would have the same mentality of because it sounds like this gang, um, you know, especially back then where not everything was caught, so to speak. You know, there's a lot of murders that were unsolved or unfounded or didn't make any headlines because the person that was killed wasn't a famous rapper. You know, there's yeah. a lot of gang violence that happens throughout that time. So, okay. you know, you know, do they do people get some sort of they get off on it after a while? You know what? I don't know. I don't know. So let's see. I thought I saw a something in the, in the live chat. I guess I did. All right. So let's continue. Mm. Oh, the good old cassettes, man. I remember I had some of them. Yeah. Cassettes. Cassettes were the bomb, man. Mm-hmm. Cassettes were yeah, the bomb. A second when your damn cassette player would eat it up, and then you'd be like trying to pull it out really gently so it wouldn't rip it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say thank you, Never Fear Truth, uh, for um, being a member for five months. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I told my kids, y'all have it easy. I want to listen to one of the new songs. I'll just have to ask, you know, the. Uh, I don't want to say the name because then it turns on every time I say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Google, you ask them and then it plays it for you. Oh, yeah. But before, man, yeah, you used to have to go to the store, look for the unedited version because you always wanted the unedited version. So you always had to go to like the Sam Goody or uh, I think Kmart and Target were the ones that had the explicit and then buy them there. <laughs> Because <laughs> dude, we bought, we bought it at Wally World. It uh, it, it was it was it was clean. I made that clean. mistake. I made that mistake <laughs> twice, twice, and I was very disappointed. I was so mad because I spent all that money that I saved up to buy, and it wasn't it wasn't to the uh, to the you know the way the artist envisioned the piece to be. You know, yeah. it was it, there was like a space there, and it used to bother me. Yeah, <laughs> I always, I always remember my uh, the first CD I wanted. Like, I don't know why, but I didn't even know him back then. But I, saw, I saw it, and, I, and my brother was with me. I said, "Can you buy this for me? I'll give you my my allowance." And he bought it for me, and then we played it in the car. And my mom was like, "Quita ese pinche morero!" It was Master P. <laughs> <laughs> Master P was, dude. You know, you know who was like uh, speaking of Master P, but like who made the round? Snoop Dogg, dude. That guy uh, was he was uh, Master. He was No Limit Soldier. He was Death Row Records. He was uh, wasn't he like uh, what were they called? The, the with the juvenile, hot the Hot Boys or whatever records or whatever. Then yeah. where else did he go? He went somewhere else, and then now he's like reading. He's the owner of Death Row Records now. Yeah, now he owns Death Row. He's also reading and doing like children's books and. Rhymes. Oh yeah, and now he's got cereal at Wally World. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, he's got cereal brand now. When I was in like seventh eighth grade, I bought a No Limit Soldier ring from, <laughs> from the mall in the middle. You know, yeah. with the jewelry place where, you know, I thought it was real. <laughs> 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 that freaking ring, my finger was all green. 
Uh, dude, yeah. I was a kid, man. I think I was like an eighth grader. So it was good times. Yeah. It was good times. True Crime Cafe with Dago comes on to fight all the super chat. Did you hear about the Vegas cop from Henderson being involved allegedly? Well, I mean, if they're saying that there is some conspirators here that they're afraid to, you know, um, uh, alert, so to speak, that could that could be it. So this is from the the A and E. Yes, rest in peace, ODB. Uh, this is from the A and E. Um, video has changed his perspective. So this is Corey. This is the guy that um, was with him in Vegas. He hung out with KVD, Orlando Anderson and stuff. He was not in the vehicle, um, allegedly with the other four guys that committed the crime during the commission of the crime. But it was his girlfriend's house where the gun was found. So let's uh at the MGM uh between Orlando and people with the death row. I was at the bar uh, uh buying some drinks. Somebody came up and told me, Hey man, they just jumped on nephew over there. So I got my bottle and turned around and saw him standing by the pole and uh went over there and talked to him. You know, I was like, dog, what's up, you all right? Like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, what happened? Man, the f- tried to jump on me. And he was just like, you know, I want a fair one. Well, a fair one, that's, you know, in the hood, you know, I want a fair fight. So they had jumped on him. But now he want a fair fight. Come on, me and one of y'all fight head up. So he claims that, because at any point, at, there is no point in this in this clip where Craig here, or, or Corey, I'm sorry, um, ever states that that Orlando Anderson shot Tupac or any of those things. He claims that they had nothing to do with it. Yeah. yeah. No, let's go. That's true. Corp, what happened next? Corp, what happened next? I was like, man, look, we can catch up with all this when we get back in Compton, you know? And uh, Lane looked at me and said, dog, if it was you, you wouldn't want to wait till we got home. And when he said that, I was like, you right. Whatever happened in that video, we're going to be responded to. Most definitely. So we was all standing there talking. You know, they finna go over there to the club. And we rolled over there. Club 662? Yeah. To wait on them and confront them. Make his response. We got over there and waited around for about an hour. Nobody showed up. So I said, man, look, man. We in Vegas. It's fight weekend. I'm finna go get some bottles and go back to the hotel. There was too many girls at the hotel. <laughs> I'm not finna be sitting in the parking lot waiting on some pull up and we got all these women to play with over here yes sir that's what we came for yes, after yes. waiting for two fucking children to get there do you know who left with orlando anderson was it t brown was it deandre was it keithy was it a white cadillac i ain't seen any white cadillac and nor do i know who was in the car with him those two or three different cars so you know what i mean i don't know who all rode with who i remember i remember when we met with compton police detective tim brennan he mentioned the gun that was found in Corey Edwards' girlfriend's backyard. I've always been curious about that gun. Did at some point uh, uh, a gun was found uh, that they thought was you and the murder of Tupac Shakur? Yeah, it was found in my girlfriend's backyard. In your girl- so it was found in his girlfriend's backyard, like we mentioned. This is the guy. And I have to pause this to talk because if not, we're going to get a, a copyright claim. All right, we have to stop and give our commentary on this. So, 
it was found in his girlfriend's backyard. He was out there. He claims right there that there was no white Cadillac and he does not know who went in any car. Right? Now let's continue. Deny, deny, deny. Girlfriend's backyard. <laughs> Did she find it? Yeah. No. Her father found it. Actually, actually, he went in the backyard and his dog was running around the yard with it in his mouth. The dog? The dog. They had a pit bull and he was running around the yard with the gun in his mouth. And so did he, he called the police and reported yeah. it? Yeah, he turned it in. Why do you think the police thought the gun found in your girlfriend's father's backyard with the gun used to kill Tupac? I don't have no idea why they said it was a gun. And I don't know if to believe it or not, because I thought they would be much more aggressive about doing things if it was the gun, you know? First, I thought it was some I still think it was, you know what I mean? That was a dozen thing, you know? How would it end up back there, you know? Corey Ed not only gives Orlando Anderson motive, but he puts him in the car actively searching for Tupac the night of the murder. And then there's this mysterious gun found in Corey Edwards' girlfriend's backyard. We have to find out more about that gun. This gun was found in the backyard of the girlfriend of Orlando Anderson's friend, a Southside Crip who was with him the night of the shooting in Las Vegas. It just seems too big of a coincidence. And, you know, Corey Edwards says it's not that big of a deal. Well, I mean, you got to look at it in context. The gun's found almost two years after Tupac's murder. Probably came across as not that big a deal because there were thousands of guns on the streets of Compton back then. It's a Glock, and Glocks weren't unusual. There's really nothing that's... There's nothing unusual about a dog running around with a Glock in his mouth in the hood. I mean, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> like, like, where do you get off on that? How the hell is that normal? <laughs> no, I only see it with machetes, man. He's an upgraded version. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that, you know, I thought I heard it all with the, the, the shark natives, but apparently it's it's normal for <laughs> pit bulls in the hood to be, be you know, walking and patrolling the street with a, with a Glock in their mouth. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like... Oh, I understand you, you you have to come out as as um you know opposition of everything you can't agree right you can't get too much stuff agreeing because then it's going to be um an issue but in this situation to come out and say no it's it's, it's pretty normal <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man that, that's hilarious to me uh stood out about that gun but to me the key to this but to me it stood out about that streets of Compton back then. It's a Glock, and Glocks weren't unusual. There's really nothing that stood out about that gun. But to me, the key to this case is evidence. You know, and if you can find the murder weapon, that's a major break in the case. <laughs> and so, uh, if you guys want to see that, that's um, Animal Capone, seven, something like that. So... <clears throat> They end up going and talking back and forth with Las Vegas, trying to figure out why it went out there, why it didn't go out there. But what ends up occurring is um, it goes cold until they bring on this man, Greg Kading. Oh, man, Busy Bone and Bone Thugs and Harmony was. Yeah, they was, were just uh, in town last year, man. I missed it. Really? Yeah, D-Rock came out with them. Like, he, he opened for them. Dang, that's crazy. I, I, I would have gone if I would have known. Nah, probably not. I got the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Greg Kading. He's a detective with, or was a detective with the LAPD. He's now been retired. Uh, he, in 2006, was initially assigned to the Notorious B.I.G. case due to a pending lawsuit with the city of Los Angeles and uh, Notorious B.I.G.'s mom, uh, mother, 
basically was claiming that there was LAPD possible involvement in the passing of her son. And this was due to a, a uh, another detective, his name escapes me off the top of my head, he's passed away now, who theorized and claimed that perhaps um, Suge Knight um, had hired crooked off-duty LAPD officers to do his bidding and uh, perhaps even had something to do with the uh, passing of, uh, of Biggie Smalls. And so because they were investigating that crime and they were looking at a couple of things, one of it was that perhaps maybe the Southside Cribs had something to do with it. And during that investigation, they started to come across the Tupac investigation. Now, one of the biggest questions that comes about about this is the jurisdiction. Tupac passed away in Las Vegas. He's an LAPD officer. How does he have jurisdiction to, one, you know, investigate this this crime or even offer, for instance, the proffer deal? That was offered later on to Keithy D in, in exchange for his testimony. And so uh, the explanation that Greg Kading comes up with is that he believes that there was a murder for hire situation that occurred in Los Angeles, which gives him jurisdiction, even though the crime would end up coming out or happen in um, in Vegas. So. <clears throat> They uh, looked at two two investigate when they looked at Tupac's um, situation. They looked at two theories. There was the Sugnat had something to do with it because Tupac was leaving, and this is from Greg Kading's own own mouth that they looked at that theory, and that right away they threw that theory out. It didn't make any sense, uh, you know, to hire somebody, especially a gangbanger, like that's not a, a trained assassin. You're not hiring a sniper. You're hiring somebody that possibly doesn't even hold the gun straight right so there's a good chance the accuracy isn't there are you really going to want to stand or be in the same car next to a 165 pound man when you're well over 300 pounds and six foot six i think he almost made it to the pros as a uh, nfl lineman so it, it really didn't make any sense he was actually hitting the head as well so they they were able to um, rule that out right away and they were left with the south side cribs they looked into the white Cadillac and were able to identify, um, you know, the four guys that were in the car through the KKD's um, basically confession. Now, what ended up happening was they built up a, uh, a drug case against KKD. Um, they built up a case for distribution to PCP, large amounts of white powder and wiretapping crimes, uh, which would have given him life in prison. And so what they did was they offered him a proffer agreement. A proffer agreement is a written agreement between the prosecutor and a defendant or, uh, or, or prospective witness that allows the defendant or witness to give the prosecutor information about an alleged crime while limiting the prosecutor's ability to use that information against him or her. In this situation, the deal was that he was to give his accounts of what occurred uh, the night that Tupac Shakur was shot in Las Vegas and that if anything comes out later on to be false, any aspect of it, that his testimony that he made could be used against him, plus the charges that were dropped in connections with the drug charges and the wiretapping crimes, um, could be could he could be then tried for those crimes. And so it is a huge incentive for uh, Keefe D to be very honest in this situation. And in this... Um, 
Oh, you know, I did have the dang interview with Tupac and I didn't play it. But let's see. Um, give me a sec. How can I do this? So this is part of the... Um, Today, what we're going to do, we're just going to go over with a fine tooth comb the Las Vegas incident. We're going to draft up our report as regarding that specific thing, and then we're going to cover a few other things that we do have to uh, um, emphasize to you that everything in this report has to be right on because if down the road it's determined that some of these details are incorrect, then everything's off the table. So everything in this report cannot be like that report. Hey, I want I want to say this though too. I feel uh, like I said that day. Don't bullshit me, and I won't bullshit y'all. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Lane starts blasting. Um, you say he should looks over. He sees you. Yeah. He looks right at you. Yeah, he looks at me. Okay. Why do you look right at me? Fuck, is it only because we were seven, eight years old? When he looks over at you. And then, you know, Tupac's busy getting shot. Evidently, the story is Tupac's trying to either get out of the backseat or something. Yeah, what do you see happening inside there? In. I seen a bullet going shoot again. I thought he was dead. I thought he was dead. So Orlando shot him. Does start cross Dre? He leaned over on the window. We rolled down the window. Pop. Who was it? They were drove on my side. I was popping. You know what I'm saying? But they was on the other side. Right. So that's from Vlad TV. I recommend going and watching that. That's with Greg Kading, and they're talking about um, the. And that's just a brief clip of Heavy confession. In his confession, he basically states that they went to Las Vegas to go to the fight, and that um, that the reason that they went to the fight had nothing to do with Tupac. There was never like a uh, like the goal was out there to 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 hurt or fight or or assassinate Tupac Shakur. It was just to go to the fight. That was something that they did. Um, what they typically did was they would buy um, single tickets and then separate. They wouldn't sit together. And the reason they would do that was because it was less expensive. So they would be separated throughout the entire arena, but would have the opportunity to go out there. He states that um, prior to their trip to Vegas, that um, Sean Combs, P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, allegedly had put out a uh, murder for hire, a hit for $1 million for the life of Tupac Shakur and for the life of uh, Suge Knight. So they end up going to the MGM Grand for the uh, the fight. They separate. And that's kind of how they were able to find uh, Orlando Anderson by himself is because they were still separated. The goal was to meet at a certain location after the fight, and that's what they were doing when they ran into Tupac and his entourage. Um, afterwards, they decided to go to Club 662 to take care of business. They were hanging out there for a little bit. And he never showed up. They decided to leave. As they were leaving um, and they were driving down the street, they heard girls yelling, uh, Tupac, Tupac, out of a convertible vehicle. And then they see Tupac hanging out of, out of uh, the BMW. They do a U-turn, come back around. He states that the um, individual that was sitting that would have had the best, um, I guess, shot against Tupac, uh, didn't want to do it. Uh, so Orlando Anderson chose to um, cross his body to do so. So this is the way they were situated in the um, um, in the uh, 
white Cadillac. So you have the BMW here. You have a Sugnite driving Tupac Shakur here. Um, in the white Cadillac, you had four occupants. Um, driving was Terrence T. Brown Brown. Um, front passenger was Dwayne Keefe D. Davis. Behind the driver was DeAndre Dre Smith, who refused to shoot, even though he had the uh, probably the best opportunity to. And behind Keefe D was Orlando Anderson, who decided to, according to Keefe D and his confession, take the gun, reach over uh, DeAndre Dre Smith and shoot multiple times in the direction of Tupac's vehicle. Uh, they stated that they left and that they were given chase uh, by some of the entourage and um, ended up taking off and then going and partying the rest of the night. So they did mention that they had gotten the gun from a guy named Zip um, who had reminded them of the, you know, before they went out there and obviously killed Tupac, they were reminded by Zip of the million dollar hit and they thought that they could take care of two stones, you know, take care of the assault on baby Wayne and get the $1 million hit by taking care of Tupac that night. Uh, apparently, uh, supposedly, the um, uh, he never got paid. Um, Keefe D, he was supposed to have gotten paid. There was a middleman, I think it was Zip, that P. Diddy had given half a million dollars to because it was only half of the bounty that was done, but he never received that money. That guy pocketed the money and it never came out. So... <clears throat> Now we're caught up after an hour and 15 minutes. How do you feel about the case, Big Big Blue? Do you think that the all right? So police go, they search a house related to Keefe D. He's the guy that has come out and said some things. Now they can't use anything that they said against him because of that agreement unless something comes out that it was a lie, right? And so if he didn't lie and they're searching and everybody else that was in this car, I forgot to mention this. Everybody else in this car has passed away. DeAndre Dre Smith is no longer here. Terrence Brown is no longer. I think he passed away from like cancer or something. And Orlando Anderson passed away two years after Pac's death. Um, so everybody's passed away. That's what I said. There's nobody that can cooperate who actually helped the gun. Uh, he's blaming it on a dead man. Dead man can't talk. Uh, true but if he's not lying let's just say he's saying the truth and they can't go after him who do you think they could be going after wouldn't it be the person that hired them you think they're you think there's I mean, gonna be a warrant from diddy soon they, they can probably try to go for uh try to do the contract but it'd be hard to trace and that's just paperwork man the money they would have to well maybe that's money. what maybe that so they they took computers they look for laptops. They look for a bunch of stuff that could probably show a, a paper trail, maybe, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Or, maybe he's he's just he's been like uh, threatening, "Hey, where's my money?" Or maybe there's bank records on there that show um, maybe he did get a payment, and he's just saying that he didn't. So it's hard to tell, man. It is, dude, and it's one of those things where it's like. Like, how much of this can you really believe? Because let's just say it didn't go down that way. Let's just say KVD is the one that actually pulled the trigger. Like, how do we know that's true or not? Yeah. As I said, the other guys can't defend themselves. 
Exactly. And and the one person who saw this, who could come forward and talk, is sitting behind bars right now on, you know, for murdering his friend, running him over. Uh, yeah. I believe it was at the set of NWA is when it occurred, right? I think they were, I thought there was a music video or they were like leaving a restaurant or something. Yeah. Mad oh, dude. Well, it may have been, a, it may have been at a restaurant, but I think it was, um, he was going to the set of NWA, the uh, docu film. Yeah. Um, and he apparently was like threatening people because he wanted to get paid for, you know, his portrayal in the film. And supposedly the rumor goes that um, they set him up. They said, all right, Ice Cube said, I'll meet you at some place. And when he showed up, people started popping out with guns and he got scared, popped it in reverse and took off. And when he took off, he ran over his friend. Yeah. That's, that's the story that I've heard when it comes to that. And they ended up, you know, charging him for the, for the deal. Do you think that he maybe perhaps, but then he would be considered a snitch. And I think that's the one thing he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to be considered a snitch is, you know, come forward and say he knows more about this situation because they can't use Keithy D's words against them. Right. But they can, that doesn't mean they can't charge him. They just can't use that or anything that comes out of that. It's like the uh, fruit of the poisonous tree. Right. So if you have a situation where, um, like, for instance, um, all right, this is a pretty good example. Let's just say that I suspect somebody of doing a crime. And I tell you, Blue, hey, I suspect Jaime of committing this crime. I think there's evidence in his house or whatever the case may be. Right. You break into his house and you tell me, hey, Daniel, the evidence you're looking for is in a drawer underneath his computer. Now, I can't use that because you did something illegal to find that out. Yeah. Right. But I can take that information and say, all right, let me, you know, watch this person. Let me build a case against him that surrounds other evidence that will give me permission to get a warrant to go look at where you're telling me. So that way I can bypass that illegalness, so to speak, and which is kind of like what's going on in the Brian Koberger case, so to speak. When you look at that genetic tree. Yeah. And, you know. The same scenario could happen, you know, if somebody did something illegal to get some information and told somebody, hey, this is the person you're looking for. They couldn't use that. It doesn't necessarily mean that the information they have is not usable, but they couldn't use that information based on how they gathered it. They'd have to find a legal um, means of coming about the same amount of information, which is still possible. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. The thing is, the they can't do it without the right evidence and and to me all the other eyewitnesses are gone so there's there can't be a charge on him but if there was like say say uh say shook starts talking then maybe they can convict him the only thing about that is i would if i was like for instance keefe d right and shook knight is singing in jail saying hey it's it's uh it's keefe d I'm going to say the only reason he's saying it's me is because I am a I was of a rival gang and he's trying to get out of prison. He's had 30 years, almost 25 years, somewhere around there 
to yeah. say that it was him and it's you know he decides to wait to the moment that he's incarcerated for murder before he decides to come up with the story that's what i would say if i was keefe d's lawyers and i think they would have an argument there yeah but you know it's there was no there's no camera footage and back then there was uh, i guess a lot less surveillance but Unless another eyewitness would come up and say, "Hey, I saw him," but it's hard to tell who's in the in the car. So, I think the case is just going to lay it lay as it is. Well, here's the thing, though. According to KVD's confession, he stated that the white Cadillac was a rental vehicle that was shot that had to be repaired at a body shop. Now, the body shop that he took it to was like, you know, homey, right? Yeah. So it was under the table or whatever. But there should be some paperwork. For that rental somewhere yeah some kind of documentation financial yeah. documentation somebody had to have an id attached to it yeah unless you know people and they hook you up but i don't know do you think if if, if kvd if kvd goes down do you think that uh p diddy will unless they can trace money to him for the hit i think that's the only way he can go down but P.D. has got a lot of other stuff he has to worry about. I mean, there's some, if you look into him lately, there's some stories coming out from his side that oh, dude. don't look <laughs> good for him. There's some crazy allegations about P. Diddy. Like, not, if you go not, down. <laughs> not just allegations. I mean, like a photo was leaked the other day. I was like, whoa, bro. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 there's been some, some crazy stuff. Like, did you hear about that Shine incident? The guy that sounded like Notorious B.I.G. Apparently, he was like at a, at a nightclub with P. Diddy and Jennifer Lopez back in the day when he was with Jennifer Lopez. And then uh, there was a shooting and, and everything got blamed on Shine. He ended up going to prison. And I think P. Diddy was supposedly the one actually who shot the gun. Uh, I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, dude. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. And Wisdom Speaks says P. Diddy has too many boyfriends. <laughs> that's, that's some of the that's some of the rumors that are going out there. There was the there was one about Mace, right? That he had pictures of himself with Mace, yeah. and he was basically holding those pictures hostage to blackmail him into, um, you know, agreeing to certain terms of the contract that would make you know put more money in P Diddy's pockets versus Mace's. Yeah. You know, the only thing I will say about P Diddy that. That I liked was um, <laughs> and get him to the Greek. I thought that his character was hilarious and get him to the Greek. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, where yeah. he's like, uh, he's like, I'm mind effing you. <laughs> yeah. I got a dirty mind. So, uh, but yeah, those are some of the allegations that are out there when it comes to P Diddy that well, have gone on for a while. Yeah, and then those photos. I mean, if it's a Halloween costume. The photo I saw, I was like, damn, that's, that's kind of weird, man. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not... That's, what what did you see here recently? I, I haven't seen anything that was leaked. Yeah, there was like a photo of him like, like cross-dressing, like like making out with like a dude, like, like kind of weird. Yeah, he's... um. Yeah, he's kind of weird. What what's this? Diddy slaps Wendy Williams for leaking. Have you heard about that? No. 
don't know. And then there's the bodyguard alleged something with with Ja Rule. There's a weird picture with some other guy. Like, you don't want yeah. to search this. Yeah. I got a new member. Thank you. Thank you, Wisdom Speaks. Do you think that, like... So do you think that some of these... Some of these weird rumors could be true about Hollywood there, Big Blue. Uh, Hollywood is a mysterious place that money talks, man. And you can see it. You can see uh, a lot of the old child actors, man. They have stories um, that they don't want to tell, but they're messed up from their childhood. Look at the... A famous actor that uh, create um, committed this, uh, I guess. Uh, Corey was it Corey? Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and a lot of it had to do because I guess he was molested as a, as a child actor, man. Yeah, yeah, um, Corey Fieldman. Yes. Yeah, I know yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, he he was he has some he has some crazy. Uh, accusations as well about Hollywood and child actors. Yeah, so did uh, you know? I think they, there's a couple that came out, and I think uh, Drew Barrymore had a few stories, and so did, but nothing. I think nothing uh, horrible happened to her, but like uh, Corey. But I think it was more like the the boy actors had a lot of stuff happening to them. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't, I don't, women, children have all been very, um, you know, um, victims of a lot of things in Hollywood. I mean, you know, there's, there's movies that are going on about trafficking and things of that nature that are being brought to light. I think Mel Gibson has a film that's coming out and has something to do with some, something similar. I mean, it is, it is disturbing. I mean, most people are not ready to have that conversation about the red slippers. You know, yeah. you know, it's I mean, just not ready about that. <clears throat> Neither is YouTube. <laughs> yeah, YouTube wanted to talk about the, you know, Epstein's Island, you know, and the people that visited and the documentation that's that's somewhat there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff, man. So even uh, like the other night when I was talking, uh, not talking, I was listening to another podcast mm-hmm. and I talked to. Uh, uh, Hector from uh, I call him Hector. I don't remember his name now from Fast and the Furious, right? Uh, yeah, you should probably was, know his name. I know, man. I, I I I remembered his name when I when I talked to him on the show, but like right now, I just remember him because it was and uh, dude, was his name is Noel. Noel, yes. But and every movie comes out, he's, he's Hector. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he was saying, you know, it's a lot of shady stuff that happens in Hollywood that he don't trust it either. Uh, most of the time, it's a lot about contracts and money, but sometimes it's other stuff, you know. Oh, dude, Jamie Foxx is another one. Did you? He came out like people are saying that he's being cloned. Have you seen that? Uh, well, I see that he has a new movie coming out. And I thought he'd been like in a coma or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he came out on something, and, and it's like super far away, and he's like waving at people or whatever. But it's like super far away, and a lot of people are saying that it's a body double or it's a clone. 
Well, the thing is, uh, a lot of people you know, have been have been uh, have been. There's a lot of people do drugs, man. And there's been a lot of fentanyl. <laughs> A lot of people do drugs. Is that, is yeah, that I don't know. I don't say he did drugs, but there's a lot of stuff laced with fentanyl, and you see yeah. a lot of people going very downhill. A lot of stuff happening to them, and they're mm -hmm. blaming all these aneurysms and. Uh, well, he, he was blaming. He it seemed like he was blaming the jab, my man. Yeah. Because there's yeah. been you. You got to admit, there's been a weird, and then, you know what? It, it, it could just be. You know, the population's increasing, right? So, you know, 10% of something uh, is going to grow when the um, the amount of the uh, the group is increased. So, for instance, if you only have, you know, 100 people, 10% is only going to be 10 folks. But as the population grows, you know, 100 people, you know, when you have 1,000 people, 10% of that is 100. So it seems like a lot, but when you look at the percentage of the population that's around, it may not. Yeah, uh, like the the jab, it wears off, man. I don't know, man. I saw this weird documentary where they pulled some weird shit out of some people. I've had three of them, and uh, and I haven't had anything happen to me. The next thing know. you know, I die. But you know, um, <laughs> don't say that out here, dude. We'll get kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. I'm not saying it's the jab. I I'm not saying it's it's that at all. But there was some articles and some stuff that was put out there that indicated that he claimed that he didn't want to take the jab. He was not wanting to do that, but because of this movie, he was kind of forced to and then afterwards um he ends up having some sort of medical emergency. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt ill for a day. That's about it. Uh, but you know, everybody's body reacts different to medications, and yeah, you know, especially depending on which you're there was in the beginning, people getting blood clots from from some of it, but it also has to do a lot. He travels a lot in planes, all that stuff um, gives you higher risk factors, man, especially when you're flying from set to set. Um, really, yeah, yeah, I, I fly a lot, so I'm definitely not gonna be. Yeah, you, you're more potential of getting a blood clot from flying in a plane or driving long distances, uh, sitting down for long periods of times. So really? all that is a factor to causing blood clots. Well, I don't fly around that much, hopefully. I try to I try to stay active. I try to stay active. Yeah, I saw that today. I was looking at the news. I got hit by a tornado. It's like that one time where... It's convenient, right? Like that one time where part of the Pentagon got hit by a plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those situations where, um, who knows, man, conspiracies are awry. Like, I, but I'm skeptical but in nature. You know, I don't trust anybody. Like, for instance, the whole, like I was having a conversation with, I can't even remember who, but I, it was probably on YouTube. But uh, it was uh, referencing UFOs. And I was like, you know, I, be I believed in them when the government said they were fake. And now that they're coming out, they're saying that they're real. I'm very skeptical. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about this. I don't trust anything that the government is telling me anymore. So I was like, uh, it's a distraction. It's a distraction. Especially right now. I mean, the, the, the powder on the disc was a donut. That uh, one of the 
guests came by. One of the oh, at the White House. <laughs> it happened I mean, again. But here's the thing: like they they get passed through security. They go through dog and drug sniffing dogs. And they can get it through the security like that. They have some crappy security at the White House. I'm talking about if it's a you know tourist that that accidentally left it on the table. Dude, we need to we need to make a movie with this as the as the main plot. Compton the aliens. <laughs> well, there is uh, well, no, it's uh, what vampires in New York where like the gangsters are all beating up the vampires. So was that vampire uh, in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy? No, it's a newer one. Oh. <laughs> Dude, aliens to Compton. Hey. It could, it, it, hey, if Sharknado could make it. <laughs> I mean, Sharknado, what's more logical? Like, like 10 video, 10 movies, I think, or something. Like they're up what's, there. what's more logical that a tornado is gonna somehow throw sharks as missiles or aliens somehow landing in, in the hard streets of Compton looking for <laughs> you know, looking for uh, a fight. I mean, who knows? Well, they'll find it there. They'll find it there, especially if they're if they if they're, if they're dressed in red or blue, or their color skin color is that color. Dude, they pull <laughs> they pull up in the wrong in the wrong <laughs> sporting wrong colors. They're like, uh, what's the blood doing the crib side? Right. <laughs> which remind dude? Which the funniest alien movie I've ever seen? Funniest alien movie is uh, Neighborhood Watch. Okay. Have you seen it? Paul. No, Paul's good. Paul's good, but I think Alien Neighborhood Watch is better. Well, I like uh, the English actors. What? Oh man, were they? Were they? Um, what? Drink around the world or something? Yeah. yeah uh, okay. But Neighborhood Watch is funny. So, <clears throat> the funniest part about Neighborhood Watch, right? is that the aliens bleed uh, or blood is green and they're and the texture they they say is very similar to how can i say this without being weird uh male jizz yeah (laughs) right so that's probably the nicest way i could say it right so there's this part where they hit an alien and there's green blood all over the place. And that green blood, no, 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 I'm sorry, it's not that part. There's a part where this guy cuts his arm to show he's an alien, I'm sorry. Cuts his arm to show he's an alien and he's bleeding green. The fact that he's bleeding green isn't enough to determine that he's an alien. It's that they had to feel it and check the consistency to determine that it felt like uh, that type of consistency to determine that he was an alien. I thought that was the most hilarious thing in the world, dude. I was laughing. For a while, y'all have to watch it. We gotta watch. That. We gotta watch that again. It, it's funny. I, I remember. I seen. It. It's with Seth Rogen, right? Nah, nah, man. It's with Seth, uh, Jonah Hill. Uh, Jonah, Jonah, yeah. Jonah Hill, Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn. It's classic, dude. It's yeah, got all yeah. the. If it had Seth Rogen, it would have been. It would have been top tier, man. Now I was thinking of the other one, the, the end of the world, where he, uh, they have like ten tenements, like like pets, pet. <laughs> my virgin ears <laughs> but um yeah that that movie there dude i thought was freaking hilarious i thought uh, i thought it was funny 
but like you know i also have like a like comedy is my 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 favorite type of genre when it comes to movies what's yours big boy i like zombies you like zombies you like horror you like to get scared horror, horror movies don't tell don't tell some of the youtube creators you like scary movies because they hey. might think you're <laughs> I might, and we might come out on a scary movie. We might, dude. Yeah, I was, talk, I was talking to him the other day, and he said he's, he's working on it, man. So if 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 you were if you were, let's let's talk about this real quick. So for those that are watching, all two hundred and forty-five of you guys, um, we we've had on a a film producer and a filmmaker on our show before. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. He's uh, going to put us in a put us in a movie um, that he's creating. Yeah, so you might see us on the silver screen. But if they were going to, you know, do a horror movie, Big Blue, what part would you want to play? Would you want to play the hero, the villain, the comedic relief, the damsel in distress? I, I gotta be the damsel in distress. Yeah, we know that. We know that. <laughs> so, and I know he, we asked that question before, and I always said I was going to be the 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 hero. But, you want to uh, be the hero, but the dance of the stress sounds a lot more. Uh, it sounds a lot fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jaime could be the hero though. It's a 50-50 <laughs> shot. <though. laughs> you might be saved by by somebody you don't want, <laughs> but. So let's just say you had to portray the villain in a scary movie. You were the scary person. Would you want? Would you be the the zombie, a vampire, a werewolf, a ghost? What would it be? I would be a, a zombie man. You would do the zombie movie. You'd be the the head zombie. Yeah. Now, would you be a traditional zombie, or would you be an I a legend zombie that could freaking run like hell? Yeah, World War Z. You know, I am legend. There it is. There I can is. faster as a zombie than I can in real life. Cause my joints <laughs> <don't work. laughs> Hell yeah, man. See, for me, I, I think I'd probably end up being a, uh, if I had to be the scary character, like a werewolf, I think that would be cool. Yeah. I think, I think I could portray that, but maybe, maybe Hyman would probably portray that more. Cause he's a little bit hairier, you know, but I would, I think I'm thinking like the werewolf. I think I like the werewolf. But not like Teen Wolf. I'm not going to be out there playing basketball and shit. <laughs> I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be like a, you know, a scary ass werewolf, man. We got to talk to, we got to talk to CJ. We got to tell him our thoughts and theories on this, man. Yeah, I talked to him last week. I, I jumped on his live for a little bit, just chatting. Manic Monday. On Manic Monday, it'd probably be yeah Monday. This Monday they were doing a. He called it an Indiegogo uh, live. So he had a, there's a movie that they're working on, which is a, a Critters reboot. And they're raising money for it. And he's going to be in that one. Really? Yeah. So I think they were like $2,000 short to be able to start production. Or, and they're, they're trying right. to get some of the big actors from the original movies to come out. But, you know, they want big money. We'll see. Artificially intel uh, AI that dude. Just <laughs> just like we'll put like Brad Pitt's face on on our body and we'll portray <laughs> the, the sequel to World War Z or whatever. 
American Werewolf in London style. Dude, that movie was uh, was a trip too. That movie was a trip. I, I thought you were, you were trying to be more like Twilight Wolf. Nah, dude, I, I want to be more human humanistic. I'm not gonna be <laughs> like this giant, just look like a dog that's just giant. And that's that's what they did, right? Well, he he turned into a wolf, yeah. But it was just a giant dog, right? It wasn't like a, like an actual werewolf. I've only seen like part of part one. Once, once, once he started a sparkle, I was like, "This, this, this, this is not for me." Oh, that, <laughs> no offense. I, I know our our demographic is mostly is mostly ladies. They probably love the the Twilight series. I, I just I didn't like it. Uh, I tried it, didn't like it. Did you like it, Big Blue? Were you a fan? Uh, I, I watched a few of the movies. Shit, you have the entire series. Yeah, <laughs> I have Team Edward on my. On my thigh, and then on the other one is Team Jacob. <laughs> what was that one? The tattoo, uh, Marty Mc. Oh, so I was watching this movie, and um, oh, it was the Flash. Have you seen the Flash? I haven't seen it yet. It looks good. Ah, uh, dude. Well, it has to do with time, right? Flashpoint and stuff. And there's this part where he has this guy has a tattoo of Marty McFly on his thigh, and he calls it Marty McThigh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, you got to watch it. Me and Jaime have seen it. We want to talk about it. We got, we're waiting on you, Big Blue. We're waiting on you. I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, hopefully, I'll try. I'm off for the next couple of days. I'll see if I can go see it or something. I'll tell you Maybe. what, man. I'll, I'll give you my rating. Before. Nah, you know what? I don't want to give you my rating because I don't want to. I don't want to affect good. your judgment. I heard it's good, so I have to. Uh, maybe I should give you my rating then, because <laughs> I don't think it's that good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Underworld Blue, you can be, oh, snap. You see, Underworld, I think I would have preferred to have been a vampire in that movie. What do you think, Big Blue? Have you seen Underworld? Have you seen the series? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a good series. You know, well, let me rephrase that. The hybrid is pretty dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? That hybrid is pretty dope. I like the, I like the, like, the Lucian terms in that movie, and you know, it's not just called like a werewolf. It's a Lucian. And there's, there's. I love the story behind Underworld. I, I think that one's a the Underworld franchise or, or series or whatever you want to call it uh, is a very underrated in my opinion. I think it's one of the better ones. I, I better be careful. When I might go watch the wrong movie. The Flasher. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, those things that happens more often than you think. That happened to me one time, man. I rented. I rented the wrong Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I caught it, you know, before like watching it with the family because that would have been, <laughs> been embarrassing. <laughs> this is when I was young. I'm not talking about like my my kids. I'm talking about watching it with my parents and shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the crazy thing is, they like rented it out to me. I was like a teenager, I think, when I rented it. <laughs> Very why is Jack Sparrow's name wrong? It's like Jack Backblow or something, you know. It was like Jack Swallow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's some funny stuff, man. That's some funny stuff. So, all right, we talked about the horror movie. If you, if you, and I know we we're over an hour. I hope you guys don't mind. We're just shitting the breeze now that we're done talking about Tupac. Yeah. But if you were in a comedy movie, 
what kind of comedy movie would it be? Would it be like uh, like stupid uh, the, funny, like Dude, Where's My Car? Would it be like uh, it Seth be Rogen like film? Old school. Like old school? Yeah. Um, That's my Frank, favorite movie, man. Frank the Tank, man. Yeah. Old school was good. My, mine would be super bad, man. That's a, that's a good one, too. Dude, I freaking love that movie. I, I watched I watched super bad. Like, I knew every word for I don't know how long. Uh, I think I was like, I think I was, uh, I think I was up 25 when I was still saying it's high, senior year. Fuck it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the behind the scenes. Uh, super bad. He says senior year and when they're cutting the boards, um, when they're going to go get, uh, when they're, when, when Evan is telling Seth about the, uh, about the fake ID that McLovin got. And yeah. so, <clears throat> dude, that was a classic movie. That yeah, was man. Movie. We're going oh. streaking. That was funny yeah, too, yeah. man. But like old school, old school was funny. That was probably one of my first funny movies that I like. I really got into. I started to really follow like Will Ferrell and stuff. But Super Bad was the shit. Hangover is a good one. Hangover is a really good one. Oh man, have you seen anything recently that makes you laugh like that? Though I think I think people are too afraid to get offended nowadays. That comedy's kind of <clears throat> taking a dip, man. Yeah, there hasn't been too many funny ones where like, like even like some of the uh, Kevin Hart movies. I don't think they're that funny no more. You know, they used to be a blast. Um, I haven't seen anything where I say, "Oh man, that was the funniest thing I've seen in a while." I have to watch it again. I haven't seen it. I like old school funny. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like there was like an old school man. Like Blue, which <laughs> you're my boy Blue. And then you had the, the, when they threw down the, uh, what was it, that weighted um, cylinder block? <laughs> it goes through the sewer. Oh, yeah. The other guys, that one's hilarious too. I'm a peacock sergeant. You got to let me fly. Dodgeball. Yep, if you can if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to see what comedy that I just watched that I think, oh man, that was hilarious. So I'm having trouble finding one in there. So, do you think that you could be well versed as an actor, Big Blue, that you can take on a role as a zombie one film, a damsel in distress in the second film? Yeah. And then this the comedic relief in a third. This is 2023. You can do anything. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, we, we, we've seen your dance moves in the intro. <laughs> we definitely know you can do anything, Big Blue. Um, so, but yeah, for me, I think I think I probably could pull off maybe the comedic stuff or the horror thing. Um, do, you, do you think that you, if you were to be in a movie, do you think you'd have to stick to some sort of stereotype? You know, I mean, that was one of the things that Noel, that you know as Hector, was talking about on his podcast that him being a Hispanic male, ball comes with like the cholo type of stereotype. Do you think that you could beat the stereotype, Big Blue? I think I can. Only because uh, you know he does like a average cholo man, like, and it's hard he to <laughs> perceive him as something else. Like, uh, like he came out and. Boy, he came out of Flaming Hot, right? Right? What was him? I think it was him. I don't know if he came out in Flaming Hot. Did he? I, I don't think, think so. I think he. I think he was one of the workers. 
I don't think so. He could have been. I mean, I, I remember I saw it like a month ago. Dude, Flaming Hot was a freaking good movie, dude. Yeah, it was. It was a good movie. Um, and it's about Flaming Hot Cheetos before anybody who hasn't seen it gets any weird ideas. Yeah, it's not about <laughs> Flaming Hot Flamingos or something. <laughs> that was another good one. That one's a good one. Uh, but yeah, man, like, you know, it's, it's the way his mustache is cut. It's the way he's like, you know, maybe if he grew his mustache differently. Didn't wear the white t-shirt or the button-ups like the way they, you know, the trolo pants. Dressed up a little bit different, and yeah, I would see him in a different, maybe grew out his hair, but he probably don't have hair, so he shaves it. You know what he's going to have to do? You know what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to create his own movie. That's the same thing that Sylvester Stallone did. He created Rocky. They wanted to buy Rocky off of him. He wouldn't sell it. He wanted to be the actor. He wanted to be the star. Same thing happened when Vin Diesel. You know they want they didn't want they wanted to stereotype him as well. Yeah, Zombieland was funny. I like that. Dude, Twenty One Jump Street. The funniest part, I think, it's Twenty Two Jump Street. Is when he's like, "My name is Jeff." Like, <laughs> that, that is funny. I like that part. That was the most hilarious thing out of all of the movies of that. Like, my name is Jeff. He's like, and then and then Jonah Hill's like, "Tell us this." this detailed story and he's not even sounding he sounds like italian or yeah, something he italian. <laughs> oh my gosh man that one that one was funny i'm not gonna lie and then he was like my name is jeff i was gonna say uh, I was in a little like a little clip on tiktok where they were talking about chad and tatum and all the crazy roles that he plays so i guess he was saying that the i think it was this is the end or something i think they put on there where uh-huh. Channing Tatum is like the, the guy's pet, like his pet slave or something. Yeah. And like, and Seth wrote the part in, but he's like, we're shooting this like in a week. Nobody's going to take it in short notice. And then I think Jonah's like, I think uh, Channing will do it. And then they, you said that he was talking in an interview where they said, uh, he's like, yeah, I think I had like way too many cranberry vodkas or something. And I took the phone call in the middle of that. And I said, yes. So it, it, it's a funny role, man. <laughs> uh, you're crazy, big blue. Hold on. Hold on. All right, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Let me find this real quick. Uh, you're gonna get the clip out. We're gonna get copyrighted. <laughs> I, I don't want to play the. I'm not playing the. Uh, I'm not gonna play the uh, the video because the video will. We'll definitely get his copyright, but you you can hear it, right? Yeah. My name is Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude. You know, back when uh, Anchorman used to be one of my one of my favorites too, and when that movie came out, I had um, I had changed my voicemail to when Ben Stiller Ben Stiller comes out in Anchorman um, during that part where everybody's like in a all the news stations are in a battle um you remember that uh you've seen anchorman right yeah and ben stiller pops out and he's part of like channel six spanish news and he comes out saying como estas bitches <laughs> it's it's whoever from channel six news that was my voicemail for like two years dude like whenever somebody called me and i didn't answer it would say como estas bitches <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, it was some good times. It was some uh, good times. That was a good movie. That was a good movie. Uh, Forty-year-old version, and then the other one that I liked that, that had some funny parts is uh, "This Is 40. That was a good one. That one was good. And then the one with um, the guy from the office. What's his name? Well, he's playing forty-year-old version, but he did another one with. Uh, oh man, Steve Carell. Steve Carell. He did another one where uh, they 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 bring dumb people to the dessert dinner. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, that was like one of my favorite funny ones. That one was funny. Yeah, I know which one you're talking what? about. It was um, something people or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the dinner. Yeah, I just saw it. Dinner too. for idiots or something. Ah. See the guys that made Hot Fuzz that combo. Those guys, they're one of my favorite comedic duos. Dinner for Schmucks. Yeah, that's it. There it is. Dinner for Schmucks. Hold on, listen to this. Let's see if it plays it. <laughs> that used to be my voicemail, dude. That was my voicemail for for a while. Uh, good times. Oh, here it is. This is the right one. Nope, it is not the right one. <laughs> Fortunately, you guys are not seeing that. Um, <laughs> let's see. This is 40. The sex tape is fun. Dude, have you seen Zach and Miriam make a porno? That's a good movie. Dude, that shit's funny too, man. Like, there, there, there's so many funny movies that were out there. But like I said, these are all like what? Eight, ten years old. I don't think yeah, very many of them are new. There hasn't been a lot of new ones where I say, "Oh man, I gotta watch it again." Well, there was there was that one where I can't remember what it is, but it was like bridesmaids, maybe I think is what it was called. And I think right. some some lady took a dump in a wedding dress in the street by accident. She ate a laxative or something. I think that that uh, was that. Is that the movie I'm thinking about? I want to say, oh, I, I thought that was a 40 year old version, but that was when she don't feel uh, good in the restroom. I think it's Bridesmaids, where she accidentally takes a laxative or something while she's trying on wedding dresses and it turns into a horrible mistake. <laughs> um, I could be wrong. I don't think I saw the whole movie. I think I've only seen that part of it. The other one that I, that I did um, think was funny was. Uh, and it's a Kevin Hart one. It was Night School. I think it's called Night School. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that, that one. That one was pretty funny. Kevin Hart does have... He has some that are funny, but they're like today's funny where it's like... Not saying that offending people is funny. That's not what I'm saying at all. But they're super sensitive to things so that they don't offend anyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was Bridesmaids. Poop. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I'm, I knew you guys would know which one it was. Wedding Crashers, that one's a funny one, too. Oh, yeah. Man, there's some good movies I want to go back and watch. You know which movies that I that I also thoroughly enjoy? I like movies that make you think that are, like, trippiest. Like, like um, what was it? Like, Sh- Sh- Shutter's Island, something like that with Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. Oh yeah, that's a good one. But this one—that's a true statement. It can't be made these time of days. Oh, uh, nah, you couldn't. That's a—that's uh, one that might get freaking banned one day. <laughs> yeah, I like when we're talking about. Um, Inception's a good one. 
when, when they're talking about when he played Sam, I am Sam or something. Uh huh. They're saying he 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 didn't just go retarded; he went super retarded or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, it is, man. It is. There's there's a lot of them. There's there's so many, but there was one movie. If you guys have not seen it, it's trippy. It's, it's it makes you think. I figured it out right away, and I I was it was weird. But it's it's a movie called pre uh was it pre pre predestination? No, hold on, I'm gonna find it. Pre with Ethan Hawke about time travel, I think. Uh, predestination. Yes. If you haven't seen that movie, go watch that movie. Go watch this movie. It is, it's a sci-fi action movie. It's from 2014. It stars Ethan Hawke, uh, Sarah Snook, Olivia Sprag. It's it's a really good film. Um, pretty crazy, and it's one of those. It's like um, you can't leave Nacho out, man. Oh, dude, Nacho Get that is corn bad. out of my face. That was like. Dude, Skeletto is hilarious. He's like, <laughs> you only you only hate me because I believe in science. <laughs> Predestination, though. This is a movie. This is y'all's homework. Y'all got to watch this movie. Let me see if I can find that. Uh, see, what's uh, another one? I mean, I always liked, like, uh, Unbreakable uh, Glass that came out with the second it was good. This is this is it. This is the predestination movie that I want everybody to watch. And and you know what you know what series is good, Big Blue. Because I like time travel. Like I'm not gonna lie, I love time travel. And so this one's good. And the series eleven dot twenty two dot sixty three. It's with um, James Franco. He oh, yeah, yeah. Um, travels back in time. Uh, to try to prevent the assassination of JFK. Yes. Freaking phenomenal series. Phenomenal. You won't you won't want to miss it. You won't want Deja Vu is a good one too. Uh, uh, I think the, another one, Pineapple Express is a classic one. That, was a good one. that one it, it, you won't you won't you you might you might no you won't regret it. <laughs> you really won't. It's a good movie. Uh about the butterfly effect is a good one too. That one was crazy. The butterfly. Your mic's going crazy. Huh? Oh, yeah, there you go. I see your mic was going going crazy. Ah, dang it. Nah, see, I like I like comedies, I like horrors, but some of my favorites are, you know, classic, you know, drama, action. Um, so I like Gladiator, Braveheart, you know, those are some of my favorites. See, like I like I like low films too that people don't know about. Like there's this movie called Primer. It's about time travel too. It is you have to watch that movie like three times to get everything. But it is it's insane. It's a it's a it's a crazy movie. It's called Primer. Um let me uh see if I can show you guys a picture of that one. Primer. It was a uh, 2004. It's an independent film about the accidental discovery of time travel. It's 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 a good movie. I'm trying to 
So this is what it looks like. It's called Primer. Good movie. So Primer and Predestination. I want to hear about it on Fridays live. I want to hear what you guys think about. There, there hasn't been a lot of good movies. There, you know what? I'll tell you what. There, there has been a lot of good series. It's like um, what I was reading today is that, or not reading, I was watching, I guess, a clip that Disney decided to pull out of making any more currently Star Wars or I guess Marvel or DC movies for right now. Hmm. The, the market's the market's not good for them right now. They're not making enough money off the productions. So. Well, that's all they've been doing for the last I don't know how many years. I think people are getting tired of it. They want something new. Yeah, they want they want something funny. They want comedy back. They want horror back. They want everything back. You know, I don't know. It, it is what it is. But yeah, these are some good good recommendations. I think you know if you guys want to see some sci fi, I would check out Primer. I would check out Predestination with Ethan Hawke. Uh, if you're looking for some comedy, rewind it. There was a lot of good stuff that was said. Uh, you know, when it comes to the horror films, which, which you know, and this will be our last topic. Which, which, what is yours? The scariest movie that you've ever seen? Big Blue. Um. I want to say when I, I always got, when I was, when I was younger, I always got more freaked out with like poultry guys or something like that. Exorcist kind of movies. Hmm. So for me, I saw the exorcist. The exorcist was, was all right. Um, it, it was, it, was, it, was it, it, it had its moments, you know, but it was older. Um, for me, there was one scene, and it's not even a scary movie. It really isn't. But there was one scene in a uh, in this one movie that I saw, and I don't know if it tripped me out because I was at my parents' house at the time, and uh, so I was probably in high school still then. Um, it was late at night. I was by myself, and I was watching a movie called The Others with Nicole Kidman, and there was the scene where... Um, so in this movie, you have these two children who had this condition where they couldn't um, be in the sunlight or else they would blister. Right. And so they had all the curtains closed. And there was a scene where somebody kept opening the curtain and the little girl was telling her brother, like, I know it's you. And he's like, it's not me. It's Victor. Or it's the other way around. The little boy was telling the girl, I know it's you. And he grabbed onto her and then you heard like somebody run and then boom, curtain open. And that freaked me out. That moment did. I was like, whoa. But I was also by myself alone in a house that um, gave me the creeps. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty intense. Uh, I'd say one of my favorite zombie movies out there. Yeah, I want to watch a comedy zombie movie. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. One of my that one's good. I heard the new Evil Dead is is good. I heard it's scary, so I, I gotta watch that one. Evil Dead. I like the series. It's funny. But. Paranormal Activity was a good one. That one. Me and my buddies were watching it, um, and like weird shit started to happen. It was me, my buddy Daniel. Uh, what was there? It was me, my buddy Daniel, Hector, 
and one other of my friends, we were, we were hanging out at Daniel's house and, and when, um, paranormal activity came out, we decided to, you know, watch it there. And like, all of a sudden, like freaking shit started moving, like a cabinet door opened in the restaurant. I mean, in the kitchen, we're like, Holy shit. Like, but I think it was just creaks and stuff, but that one's yeah. a good one. That one's oh, a good yeah. one. Dust till dawn. I see some good ones in there. I like dust till dawn. Legion's also a good one. The Strangers. That's a creepy one. Is Tamra home? That one was cool. Like, if anybody knocks on your door, Big Blue, asking for Tamra, just call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> just immediately call 911. Don't I, I hesitate. Saw, I saw a good one there. I think it was called Old People. Mm-hmm. And then the old people go crazy and start, you know, killing everybody. It's pretty crazy. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, old people. I haven't seen that one, man. I haven't seen that one. Let's see. Do do we'll answer this and then we'll call it a show. We'll start off with you, Big Blue. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Have you ever seen one? I haven't seen one, but I, you know things happen. Uh, like certain things move, and like at work, I said, like I said, man, I, I, I'm not sure if some of y'all have heard my story before. <laughs> But um, there's times I go do x-rays in the back at a certain clinic. And it's happened to me more than once where I walk into the x-ray room, I close the door, get the patient on the table, start doing the x-rays. And behind me, there's a CT room. So I'm literally like right here on the computer and the, and, and the wall is probably like a foot and a half behind me. Mm-hmm. The door will open, right? Like, mm-hmm. And I always think like, oh, maybe it's the other tech looking for me or something and i look through there and there's nobody there and there's no reason the door should open because i never touched that door and it had been minutes since i've entered the room so the pressure shouldn't force it open hmm. and that's yeah, happened to man. me like twice at that clinic man like i just continue to doing my work and doing the x-rays because that just creeps the crap out of me dude i i hear you man i hear you so for me, there's, and I'll also answer for, for, for Jaime as well, which is crazy that I can't, but um, hold on one second. All right. So got it. My story goes, and, and I've said it here before. There was one time um, when I was in, in law enforcement, we got a call for an audible alarm at a church and I showed up with another officer we arrived, at, it was a three-story church. It was about 11 o'clock at night. They had some sort of meeting that went late. Uh, you know, the uh, some ladies from the church and they heard an alarm, got scared, called us. When we got there, the alarm wasn't on. Um, you know, we talked to the old ladies, they told us what happened. We're like, all right, whatever. So we're gonna clear the building. So we call out on the radio and say, hey, we want radio silence just in case somebody's inside the building and we need to you know, run after somebody, you know, we don't need somebody that's out there on patrol to pull over a vehicle and be on the radio and stepping all over us. Right. And so we call for radio silence. So the radio's quiet. We enter in and we go up to the third floor and um, right when we entered in or right before we entered in, I'm sorry, the third floor alarm goes off audibly. We can hear it. So uh, we go into the building, we go up to the third floor uh, where we hear the alarm coming from. And as we turn onto the third floor, the alarm shuts off. 
no big deal, whatever. We started going through the rooms. There were like classrooms for, for the church. And at the very end, there was this big recreational room where they had like a ping pong table, uh, on a TV with video game council and, and a sofa and things like that. We left this third floor, went to the second floor, which was like offices. Those were cleared. And then we went into the first floor, which was where the chapel was. And as we were about to enter the chapel area, <clears throat> the third floor alarm goes off again. And so I run up, we run up the stairs. As soon as we turn the corner to get into the third floor from the stairs, from the stairway, the alarm goes off again at the same point that it went off the first time. I noticed it at this point. James, who was my um, partner here in this situation, uh, he, hadn't, he had noticed it, but he hadn't told me anything yet. We start going through each of the, um, the classrooms that were up there. We get to the recreational room and there's an open window. So I go up to the window and um, sure enough, uh, beneath it, it, it goes to the fire escape. Uh, I look down. I don't see anybody running down the fire escape. It doesn't look like the bottom was dropped where somebody could have gone through there. So I assume uh, also because there's a bunch of dust around the around the uh, window pane that nobody jumped through it. I felt that if somebody would have gone through that window, the dust would have been disturbed and there would have been more signs of somebody going through. So I um, locked the window and assumed that the alarm was going off because of the wind forcing that um, window to go open and close. So my assumption was that we were probably not going to be hearing any more alarm calls. So then we end up going to the um, go back down to the second floor to make sure that while we were running up to the first floor, that somebody didn't run into the second floor before we got there. Research that area. Went back into the chapel area, and on either side of the um, of the stage are these um, stairs that go down into the basement area. And I take one side, James takes the other side, and we start going down these stairs. And about halfway through, it um, the stairs level out, and there was a door. I go to grab the door. Now, be advised, we're clearing this building so weapons are drawn you know guns are out um flashlights are out so i go and i uh, open the door and as i grab the doorknob the doorknob twists in my hand and so i kicked the door at that point and almost shot the damn door and i uh, get down and i walk in and nobody's in there it's a single bathroom it's just a toilet and a sink and that is it so I exit out. I will finish going down the stairs and down there. I believe there was like a kitchen or stuff. There was stuff moving. Sounded like stuff was moving, but I couldn't see anything. At that point, James comes down the other side uh, pretty quickly. And I ask him like, hey, man, like, where were you at? I expected him to come down around the same time I did. And he's like, you know, before I went down here, I heard somebody get up and run through the chapel. And it sounded like sneakers on a um, on a basketball court. Like the, and so he said, but he couldn't see anybody. And he went through every one of those pews and didn't see anybody out there. And I was like, dude, you got to check out this door, you know, this room that I was walking down. And so we, we, we proceed to walk up the stairway that I walked down. And as we're approaching the door, he runs up to it, opens it and yells, get the F down. Right. And he's like, dude, please tell me you heard that. And I was like, I didn't hear anything. I honestly didn't. I said, I didn't hear shit, man. What did you hear? And he said that he heard somebody say they're coming. He's like, I heard it clear as day. Somebody say they're coming. He's like, this place is creepy as hell. And as soon as he said that, 
boom, third floor alarm goes off again. And I was like, oh, shit, I, I locked the window. That shouldn't be going off, right? So we then proceed to go back up to the third floor. <clears throat> we get up there, and it sure shit enough, as soon as we turn the corner, turn off, right? And James tells me, he's like, dude, have you noticed that every time we get up here, that alarm turns off? And I was like, dude, every time we turn that corner, it turns off. So we start searching again, you know, making sure nobody's up there. We get to the uh, recreational room. <clears throat> At that point, another officer had arrived on scene and made her way up to the top. And she had yelled out, hey, um, you know, um, Daniel, James, are you OK? And we come out into the hallway because I was in one room. James was in another clearing the building. We enter into the hallway and we're like, yeah, we're code four, which code four implies that we're OK. So then um, Isabel gets on her on her radio and she says, you know, 1608-100 made contact with 1604 and 07. Uh, they're code four, which basically is our was our call signs and 100 is dispatch. Now, at that point, we could hear Isabel's voice break on our radio. Then we heard um, the radio break back, you know, 10-4 code four. Stu Isabel told us, we've been calling you guys. We had never heard the radio break until that moment never once did it go off and i was yeah. like man that's that's freaking crazy and at that moment we started to walk out and as we started to walk out the third floor alarm would go off we would stop moving and it would turn off it was a motion detecting alarm yet it didn't catch our motion the three times we were up there until until the time that isabel showed up our radios never broke while we were there uh until isabel showed up and we left. We went outside. We talked to the old ladies. I told them about the window. They said that it remains open and unlocked because it's a fire escape. So I told them they had to go unlock it because I locked it. And uh, I told them to call their uh, alarm company because something's weird going on. You know, we um, we hung out there for a while because it was like a Sunday night. It was pretty dead. And that third floor alarm would go off every now and then while we were out there. It was crazy, dude. It was the weirdest stuff that had ever happened. Yeah, and so, and answering for Jaime, <clears throat> I got this. This is a picture of Jaime's old apartment. Now, Jaime's old apartment had a. Um, he said he heard some things, and he had had some weird feelings or whatever. So he set up his trail cam, and he said that his trail cam took four pictures. It took the picture of him setting up the camera, taking down the camera, and these two images that I'm about to show you while he was gone. Now, this one here, I asked him, I was like, Jaime, what set off your, there it is, yeah, it's these two. I was like, what set off the, uh, your, your motion detector in this picture? And he proceeds to point down to the right corner here you can see a yellow and red what looks like a child's you know what, let me take this banner off real quick so you see a yellow handle right here and a red and handle that looks like a child's bike and you can see this pink ribbon like thing at the edge of the camera right at, at the bottom corner you see the red and then like a yellow handle you can see something pink go between the red 
and underneath that yellow. So whatever this pink object is, is right there going, th not through it like physically, but going through that loop. You see what I'm saying, Blue? I know yeah. there's a bunch of like freaking arrows there now. <laughs> but that is what he believes he set off the camera because that's not here in the next picture. Now, what set off this picture? If you look over here above the chairs, you can see there's a uh, pretty ghostly shadow figure right there. And if you look in close, you can actually see it's transparent. All right? Whatever this is, while nobody is here, is strong enough to block out this you can't see the, can't see the clock the clock behind it now you can see the light source and the reflection of the wooden chairs here and it looks like it's a uh, like a window i don't see anything standing or impeding that light source to cast a shadow behind it You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So the pink thing's missing, and this shadow thing is behind in these two pictures. Yeah, uh, those are tough to explain. Man. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know it either, dude. It is weird, and I wish I could see what time it is too and stuff. I mean, it looks like it's like everything looks a little bit darker. You can tell it lightens up. Here it's lighter, and then it gets just slightly darker with this dark figure there. Yeah. Only Hyman would put a trail cam in his apartment. <laughs> he was looking for Bigfoot. <laughs> the only Bigfoot he found was himself in the costume. Uh, it's Peter Pan. It could be. <laughs> but... Yeah, so this is, you know, when somebody asked if we believed in ghosts and things of that nature, those are our stories. But we've gone two hours and 20 minutes, Big Blue. I think that yeah. the, this is going to be a show. Yeah, a long show. Thank you, everybody, for being on there with us today. Yes, we appreciate it. We appreciate you all. Hit that like and subscribe on your way out. We'll see you guys on Friday. Yes, sir. Well, peace out. Peace. Shadow people, watch out for the shadow people. They need to start paying rent. That's what they need to do. <laughs> <laughs> they got me living here on this tunnel.